Today on the pod, we get out our magnifying glass, put on our favourite cap and do our favourite detective impression, whilst also being nostalgic in the 90s with Detective Pikachu. We also find out what's been going on in the latest world of news and entertainment. And finally, we wrap things off by talking about Zac Efron being Ted Bundy. Does it work? Is he too handsome? Who knows? Anyway, that'll be our review of Extremely Wicked. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. You are listening to episode 68. My name is Adam Flint, and this is the podcast that has spent six seasons building up to the conclusion and still somehow gives disappointment that it wasn't Jon Snow. But don't worry, I've got John with me. John Descamento, how are you doing, buddy? I am very good. It's been a few weeks off, been in America with my beautiful wife. Um, but back, happy to be back, talking amazing trailers with you this week. What? What? Where did you go in the States, out of curiosity? Arizona and California, uh, and I saw some incredible films. Um, I want to just mention Vice was uh, amazing. I, don't, I have no idea why anyone would criticize yes. that film. Brilliant You're film. on the Vice train. Free Solo. That was an amazing film. If you haven't oh, seen it, oh my days! I love that film. Yeah, amazing. Um, and they were the two that really stood out to me that I saw over the period. What? Uh, and the Highwayman. Sorry, I just remembered the Highwayman, a uh, new Netflix one. Uh, which yes, is- we reviewed that as a streaming gem a couple of weeks ago. Actually, um, obviously Jamie Hannon being the biggest. Uh, Kevin Cosner fan on the planet. I then done a game around Kevin Cosner, which he absolutely failed, which shows he's an absolute fraud. <laughs> That's it. He's open to it, though, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, to be fair. Anyway, then, shall we kick on with our first review? So you're a talking Pikachu with no memories who's addicted to caffeine. I could stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. Black as night. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Harry got in too deep. Mixed up with the wrong crowd, that kind of thing. Look, you can talk to humans. I can talk to Pokemon. Detective Pikachu is actually based on a video game, believe it or not. There was a, a Nintendo DS game called Detective Pikachu. I think the only thing they actually share, though, is a title, although I haven't played the game. So if anyone listening out there who has played the game, please get back to me. This is the start of what might be a bunch of movies coming out of the Pokemon Company. Um, a lot of people have criticised this to begin with when it was first announced, saying... Why are you making a film with Pokemon in? Well, actually, it turns out that the Pokemon franchise is one of the most lucrative franchises ever, grossing towards something along the lines of $90 billion over its entire history. So I think the question isn't about why you're doing it, it's why have you taken this long? Um, But let's be grateful for the fact we've got this now. So the premise of this movie is that it is a world where humans and Pokemon coexist, Pokemon training, all that stuff from the games is is something very prominent in the world and that there is a city where Pokemon and humans coexist. In this city was a detective who unfortunately has gone missing and is presumed dead. His son, who's played by Justice Smith, uh, has to come into the city, 
find out what happens to his dad, essentially. Stumbles upon a Pikachu that's got literally no memory of what happens, and then due to a freakish series of events, all of a sudden, Justice can understand his Pikachu's voice. The voice is none other than Ryan Reynolds. I don't want to go into spoiler territories from that point onwards. You get all that from the trailer. I'm just going to talk about my reaction and uh, give you a general tone of what this film is really all about. Uh, I was fortunate enough to go to a press screening last night. The embargo lifts uh, on Friday afternoon, so we're all good to be able to give our review. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying this film is an absolute fucking joy. Um, I went in with quite low expectations, and but the more and more I started to hear and see about this film... I actually generally believe this, and I kind of said this as a hope, um, I think about a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, and I stand by this. This could be the Who Framed Roger Rabbit for a generation, right? There is so much heart in this film, so much charm, so much just pure nostalgia, but in a good way. Like This this film is aimed, obviously, at people of a certain age, of a certain generation. Um, John, were you a Pokemon kid? Did that get you? When you were younger? Uh, not in the slightest, which is leads me on to my, the most obvious question. Do you have to be a Pokemon fan to enjoy this movie? I think it helps, but I think if you kind of loosely understand that basically these are creatures that can only say their name and they've got specific power, uh, powers that are part of their characteristics, you're not going to... It doesn't take an Einstein to figure this stuff out. There is some genuine comedy in this film and it's not necessarily just from the Pokemon, it's from the reactions, it's from the the mundane being made extravagant because of these creatures that inhabit this world. This world is supposed to look eerily familiar. In fact, I can tell you now the whole thing was pretty much filmed in London. It just looks like they've put a bunch of CGI over the top of it, um, which is not a bad thing. Um, Cast-wise, Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu is absolutely incredible like I, I don't understand how they made it work but they did the humor there is kind of three levels there's the basic pokemon humor of oh if you've watched these tv shows or played the games then there'll be interesting in jokes that you'll get from that uh, if you're a kid you're just gonna really enjoy the sort of childish slapstick humor of this there are also some adult jokes in there that managed to pepper in very subtly and then you literally are laughing your ass off simpsons-esque humor of how it just works on so many different levels um, to your question though john is this aimed only at a certain generation i would say no but there's definitely some nostalgia in here they even like if they didn't even if they wanted to make this any more of an indication that this was made for 90s kids, there is a scene where I shit you not, on the TV is the fictional gangster film from Home Alone, just as a kind of, oh yeah, this is funny, and all of a sudden you've got that warm, fuzzy feeling of 90s nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it stands up in its own right. Uh, it's randomly got Bill Niley in it as well, who's playing a very typical Bill Nighy character. Yes, it goes on some twists and turns. Yes, it's a bit predictable. And yes, uh, it does kind of lose itself towards the end. But this is a good time. This is a funny film. This deserves, uh, A, to spawn a whole series of Pokemon films, which I really hope it does, if they can continue on this style. Um, like I said, Ryan Reynolds is an absolute treasure. He's, he's incredible in this and I've never wanted to see more of Ryan Reynolds voicing animals than I do in this film. Uh, John, when you saw all this, I can't remember if you were sceptical or not. What was your take when you first saw this stuff breaking? 
I was skeptical, but then I saw Ryan Reynolds is involved. You kind of feel like he wouldn't do it unless he thought it was going to be half decent. Um, and he's funny in everything he does. So, um, but so yeah, I've kind of got a bit more uh, hope for it, and I'm glad to hear it's it's good. I might have to watch it, even though I know nothing about Pokemon. Yeah, look, it it doesn't it does assume you know a little bit, but you'll figure it out. Um, in terms of other cast in this as well, it's got uh, Catherine Newton, who is absolutely fantastic in this as well. Randomly, Rita Ora also pops up in this film. Uh, she doesn't have the a token particularly... singer, Flinty. You've got to. Well, yeah, she doesn't sing in it to be fair, but uh, yeah, she's she kind of looks out of place. I don't know. I can't put my finger on as to why, but uh, yeah, she's not in it too much. Um, I think it was more of a case of we're making this entire film in London. You're based in London. There we go. Job done. Yeah, it's like, get, <laughs> but I'm sure I'm giving it. I'm doing a disservice. Told her agent, still. I want to do a film. Beyonce's doing films, you know, and. Uh, that's a very cynical view of how these things work, but it's probably accurate. So, <laughs> well, it's directed by a guy called Rob Letterman. Uh, he's got tons of experience in making these sort of films. He done uh, Gulliver's Travels. He's done those Goosebumps movies, uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, which I actually hold up as a damn good animated film. Uh, a lot of people underrate that movie, but I, I generally enjoy that film. And this definitely gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling of, yes, you know, there is a childish element to this film, but it's got a lot of heart to it. And there's a there's a nice big surprise in this film, which I don't want to spoil. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing payoff. And I'm going to go four out of five. I think the ending kind of loses itself a little bit, but the whole... The way they've managed to take Pokemon, make it serious, go balls deep in terms of uh, the effects and the, the lore they've brought into this, made a coherent storyline, and they've managed to introduce it to, A, people who may have forgotten about this franchise. It is definitely a sleeping giant. I do hope this spins out a bunch of other stuff. So there you go, four out of five, Detective Pikachu. Get him! He's barely moving. Don't! him that oh he's on a bike quick get in front of him stop oh no he's going down hard tim should have worn a helmet news so john yes excitingly we do have the avengers spoiler cast coming out uh, over the weekend i don't want to talk too much about the avengers on this podcast for that very reason but that being said it is definitely worth of notes that it is making a truckload of money and opening weekend it made 1.3 billion dollars and by the end of this weekend they're predicting it's going to make 2.2 which is absolutely insane that is literally a license to print money what makes it even more interesting is the fact that um it's been projected that this film has a i don't know how they've scored this but they call it a, a rewatchability, which is basically word of mouth and they're saying that score is 85 percent higher than then infinity war at this time during its release cycle which suggests it's going to play all summer like titanic did or avatar wow so put those numbers in some perspective flinty because uh, they're just huge to me what's the next highest what's the record before this so the record currently is set by avatar but avatar took something like 16 weeks to set it um this is probably about 
I imagine we'll be near at the halfway point now of reaching that target, and it's only been two weeks. So, and the general vibe is that word of mouth and just people wanting to go back and get that that kind of feels that you got in that film, which obviously I'll I'll talk about more of that in the spoiler car special. But um, yeah, I. I expect this to... I made the prediction it's going to make $3 billion um, in its first run. I I stand by that. I think it will make even more by the sounds of it. If it's going to make 2.2 by by Sunday, literally in week two of its cycle, then it could even make, you know, maybe three and a half, possibly even $4 billion. And that's before home release, which is absolute... Well, either way, those numbers are absolutely insane, but I don't think it will ever be topped. And uh, it's just a testament to the people at Disney and Marvel and, you know, the fans. This is 11 years, 22 movies in, and uh, this is this is pure fan service. This is pure gratitude towards this great art form and uh, this great way of, of telling stories. So, you know, it's, I'm just so chuffed that we've got this movie. I'm so chuffed that we've got this amount of fandom towards it at this time. Yes, there are people out there that are pulling the whole, yes, well, Disney have stopped celebrating Disney making so much money or you're calling this the pinnacle of culture. Look, just let people have their moment. Like This is a great moment. Wow. Anyway, let's move away from that. Sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. Um our boy Quentin Tarantino, obviously we're dead hyped about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming out very, very soon. But he actually has a little side project going on with Netflix. He's taking The Hateful Eight and making it into a miniseries, which is kind of cool, I suppose, from that perspective. Where does The Hateful Eight sit for you with Tarantino's movies? Um, it's up there, I guess. It's sort of mid-range, but I mean, it's good to see Tarantino get back and get into the streaming uh, sort of game really isn't it because i think he's got mm. a long he hasn't it's not really something he's done much of so um yeah i'm very intrigued but what about you uh i'm gonna be honest the hateful eight kind of passed me by yes i've seen it um but if i had to make a list of the best quentin tarantino movies i don't think this would be in the top half um that being said maybe Maybe it's not the right narrative format for me. Maybe the idea of this as a mini-series could work. Um, it's going to be turned into, like I said, a mini-series for Netflix. He's going to add a lot of footage that made the cutting room floor. So apparently he's going to extend it by something like four hours, which means it's going to be about six hours in total. And uh, maybe in that format it will work. I don't know. Um, he obviously loves this film. He obviously cares about this this particular narrative and these characters because the fact that he's coming back to to do this and i think it's an interesting coup for netflix i think it's going to be an interesting will they position this as a netflix original or will they just say you know it's kind of a special edition cut we're going to get he must be a busy boy at the moment quentin tarantino so for him to take some time out of that schedule with once upon a time in hollywood to produce this you know kind of suggests it's going to be something worth watching are you mm. going to watch this definitely I think it's taken a cue from, you know, what Fargo's done, turning a kind of uh, a really great movie into an even better TV series. Uh, so mm. hopefully we can get something of that quality. Fingers crossed. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you something, which it's one of those things where I don't know if we're going to end up watching this film. I remember when we, we broke the news a while back about the idea, when I say broke, obviously, 
Although we like to think of ourselves as the pinnacle of pop culture, we didn't actually break the news when we discussed the idea of a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And we are just like, how are you going to do this anyway? And we kept hearing casting news and everything else. The first trailer for it dropped. Let's talk about it. Have you had a chance to see this yet? Oh, yeah. This, I mean, the ridicule this has received <laughs> has been like, I kind of, a bit harsh. I mean, it does look, it's mostly Sonic himself, isn't it? It just looks awful. I've seen uh, mm. other people sort of animate a Sonic, like a 3D filmy Sonic that looks awesome and pays homage to the original video games. And this just looks, it just looks weird. Um, my wife, I actually sidetrack, but my wife uh, from America is fascinated with hedgehogs. So we went out <laughs> looking for some last night and we found some. Uh, needless, I don't know why that I'm on this tangent, but Sonic looks nothing like a hedgehog, and um, and it <laughs> just looks kind of bizarre. Yeah, I mean that's my main issue with this. I'm pretty stoked about seeing Jim Carrey as Doctor Robotnik, but I feel like yeah. you know when WWE tried to make John Cena a good guy for years, and and people just rooted for the bad guy against him. I feel like that's going to happen with Sonic. I don't think many people are going to watch this and not just root for Dr. Robotnik, who's probably <laughs> 10 times more charming <laughs> than the little frat boy Sonic. I don't know. It just, yeah, it pains I, me because I do love the games. But yeah, how about you? I agree with everything you said there, to be honest. I think that um, this is kind of a film no one was asking for. And then we heard, and then everyone was slating it. And then we heard Jim Carrey, and all of a sudden we we're like, you know what? We'll let this be. We we want to see Jim, and we want to see a happy Jim. And I still, do you remember? The, I think it was last year at the Baftas or the Screen Actors Guild Awards when he he stood up on stage and went, "I'm sorry, I've not been funny for a while. Um, I will be funny again." And we were like, "Yes." He's coming back. He's going to do comedy and it's going to be good. And uh, this is one of the first things he's coming out. I know he's done that TV show that's that's getting really good critical acclaim. I think this is his first uh, cinematic uh, endeavour anyway since then. And yes, this looks great from a Jim Carrey perspective. His back must be really sore from carrying this, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but the whole Sonic thing, yeah, man. It, the, the whole nothing works for me. The Gangster's Paradise bit, the... The look of the character, the the, the voice, voice doesn't work. The teeth, oh. Oh. yeah, yeah. It's just nothing seems to seems to land for this. The good news is is that you know this is CGI, so it still can be changed. So maybe as a result of a reaction from this trailer, they will go and do it and do it justice. <laughs> maybe find that guy who done the picture and just say, you know what, dude, get on board. Like make him the Sonic we we know and love, not this kind of weird looking creature but uh, that being said look jim carrey we might get a vintage jim carrey performance so who knows and it looks like that's kind of there especially when you heard that no but thank you for asking bit yeah that generally just made me chuckle load so maybe maybe but uh, yeah it's not looking good um speaking of things that aren't looking good for people have you seen obviously um, Child's Play is being remade at the moment. Uh, Mark Hamill is doing the voice of Chucky, which, by the way, what a coup. First, let's just take a moment to it. Mark Hamill is going to be Chucky in the new Child's Play movie. How incredible is that? Yeah, he's like, he's voice 
he's a voice character sort of royalty, isn't he, Mark Hamill at this point? So that's awesome. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, a lot of well, a lot of the diehard fans are proper like, no, fuck you, not our Chucky. And then they heard Mark Hamill and gone, actually, I'll allow it. Mm. And um, they started doing some promotional materials of uh, last night actually. And the first thing they dropped was a a poster. And this poster is actually mock. No, I don't want to say mock. Let's just say tongue in cheek. Um, it's taken the Toy Story 4 poster, which is coming out in a couple of weeks, and uh, decided to to basically make it look like Woody's been assassinated by by Chucky. And I, I've got to say, like, there's something sinister, but also charmingly hilarious at the same time. I think I would hazard a guess that they didn't, uh, they could only hint at what had happened, so they didn't get sued. Um, because they oh yeah you know they pushed it to the limit yeah yeah but it's kind of genius marketing because it's enough to know what they're doing but it's probably not enough for them to get sued but that's just me speculating but yeah what a genius genius it is absolutely genius um anyway moving on so we spoke about this a while back about the the Jason Statham rock movie, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, we talked about the trailer. Me and Jamie did for a while back. Said it's the most moviest movie trailer we've ever seen in our lives. And we asked the question, what's going to happen with the, the Fast and Furious franchise, given that Vin Diesel and The Rock kind of had their fallout and at the same time, it looked like they went to go in a different direction. Well, uh, Fast 9 is happening. That was announced yesterday and they've announced that although it will not have The Rock or Jason Statham in because they're obviously off doing their, their own thing, they've cast John Cena. Here you go, John John Cena's back in it um, as being a protagonist in this. So there we go. We've now got The Rock and John Cena in the Fast and Furious universe. Do you think they'll make him... Uh, the good guy but we'll end up rooting for the bad guy in this one as well uh i, th- I think if you go up against the rock you're always going to lose aren't you so it kind of depends on the rock i'm afraid john cena's in in his shadow yeah true saying that i will stand by this he is a good actor um he's great in cock blockers he's apps i think he's actually good in that transformers movie done recently bumblebee he has got some range and i think just in time he'll have a great back catalogue of films and i think this is another opportunity to add Mm. to that list there he's actually got some real good comedy chops as well i can't remember what other films he's been in but Every time I've seen him, he's been funny. I think we should do a WWE special, uh, wrestlers and films with our buddies over um, at your buddy's podcast because there's they do make, a lot of the times, make, obviously make very good film actors as well. Uh, mm. You know, think of the stamina you have to have for, the, for their day job and how much they do it. Um, so yeah, they've got chops. I think we should do a special on that sometime. That's a good idea, actually. I'll I'll get on the bat phone and uh, set that up. That'll be actually quite interesting. In fact, if you can, over like listeners who tweet us and talk to us in the community, I'll maybe set up like a thread or something. Let's talk about our favourite wrestler performances in film and yes we can talk about the nanny yes we can talk about scorpion king as well as the classics that sit in there as well just to to wrap off news um 
Now, do you remember when we talked about Apple doing their own streaming service and we're like, oh my God, they got Oprah to be making original content for them. Well, Netflix have fired shots of, okay, you can get someone who's very inspirational and quite influential in the world. We just got the damn Obamas. So yes, it is true. The Obamas are doing a secret project with uh, with Netflix. So yes, the Obamas are doing a Netflix project. Uh, they're basically going to be working on things, something along the lines of race, class, democracy, and civil rights. And uh, it's apparently going to be keeping their legacy alive. And wow, what a coup. Just what a coup getting these guys in making TV shows from. Yeah, amazing. Obama's about as popular as he's ever been, and it's only going to get stronger, especially uh, when people inevitably compare him to um, the alternative presidents that might be alive now. Uh, but yeah, he said... <laughs> He wants to do more than just entertain. It will educate, connect, and inspire us all. I think uh, definitely going to get a piece of this action. Who doesn't love the Obamas? Uh, interesting from Netflix. Kind of, you know, sort of partisan in a way. But you have whenever you take a political figure, they've just done a uh, another documentary on the sort of new female members have been sworn into the House as well. Um, which hmm. is a really interesting looking documentary. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting. I mean, they might be accused of. They will be accused of liberal bias, uh, just like every company is. But um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. It looks awesome. I can imagine Donald Trump's response will be like, "I don't know why people are going so mad. I was in a TV show long before all that." Um, as that's my terrible Trump he's, impression. He's got Fox News. They can he can have that. <laughs> I'm generally looking forward to this. I can't wait to see what they do. I think there's a fountain of creativity in the Obama administration as well as the access to the resources they're going to have to make this. They're going to have Netflix money and obviously they're going to be thinking about the impact this has across generations as well. I mean, just Netflix must be rubbing their hands at the at the, at the idea of this stuff being put together. So absolutely amazing. Can't wait to hear that. And that's your news for this week. Streaming Gems. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you have been witness to the unspeakable horrors of the defendant's heinous crimes. You have seen ghastly injuries, smashed in faces, broken jaws. Will the defendant please rise? Extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. It's the name of the latest movie depicting the real-life serial killer Ted Bundy. This is directed by a gentleman called Joe Berlinger and it's based on the book The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy. This film was announced a couple of years ago and it caused quite a stir at the time. The main reason being that Zac Efron was cast as the lead i.e. Ted Bundy. A lot of people had an issue with this, and rightfully so. It felt like it was glamorising the character, you know, getting a leading A-list handsome Hollywood man to play this guy who's, let's face it, one of the worst people in history. Uh, other cast members include Lily Collins, uh, Angela Stefan, as well as randomly the kid from The Sixth Sense. Yes, he's grown up and is in this film. Also, randomly, James Hetfield of Metallica is also playing a part in this, albeit a small role. Anyway, this film covers about 30 years of Ted's life, doesn't necessarily go into the detail of the crimes he's committed, which um, 
it's probably a good thing. We don't necessarily need to see that stuff on screen, but we do need to pay homage to that. And that's part of my troubles with this movie to begin with. It kind of glosses over the fact that this guy killed at least 30 people. And that's only the ones we know of. Yeah, it kind of just dances around there and just kind of throws up as some text at the end. This really does jump through stuff very, very quickly. And the reason why I know it jumps through stuff very, very quickly is because recently we've had a bunch of Ted Bundy documentaries and various films being released over the last couple of years so the public zeitgeist kind of knows a lot about this guy and a lot of the things that he got up to so when they gloss over things or show slight inadequacies it really shows in this film uh zach eflon is i'm gonna say he's okay as ted bundy i think he's not given a particularly good script also i think they probably work to his strengths of they focus on a particular period of his life because zach eflon probably plays that the best in comparison to all the other parts that he plays within this. I've got to say, Lily Collins, though, is absolutely fantastic as Liz Kendall. Uh, Liz was basically the first girlfriend slash wife that Ted has. And I don't want to say stays with him because she clearly doesn't, as we know, the real events. But her story, her narrative follows these, uh, this 20-year-odd period. She plays this role perfectly where it balances the subtle differences between victim and then standing up for herself. And eventually she really comes to her own fruition. It's not a spoiler alert because it's all based on real life events. Um, this film really, as mentioned, it races through some of the key narrative points of those 20 years. And it really does focus in on the big infamous court battles that Ted had towards the end of his life where he was defending himself. It kind of felt like they literally just wanted to gloss over as much stuff as humanly possible so they could have their, I don't want to say A-list, but their well-known celebrities playing various parts of the court case. Itself, there's not much drama to it. There's not really much suspense to it because we kind of know how it happens. And it kind of does a messy job, in my opinion. Um, there are some interesting moments, some interesting narrative points they try and pull together here, but it completely undercuts the fact that we know this guy was pretty vile, pretty disgusting, and got up to some horrible, horrible things. And they kind of play it off to begin with like a, is he innocent? Is he being set up? We know that is not the case. Please don't try and dumb down to your audience in that perspective. Um, yeah, I'm not being very positive of this film. Um, there are some great bits to it. Like I say, I think the composition of the music's good. I think the cinematography has some really nice elements to it. I just think narratively it's kind of all over the place, and that's the real disappointing part from that perspective. Um, look, it's a streaming gem from the perspective of you haven't got to pay to watch it if you're a Netflix subscriber, and if you're already a Sky customer, it's part of your package. Um, but I'm going to go two out of five. I really didn't enjoy the fact that it glossed over so much. It doesn't go into the right detail on the right things. And they still try and play Zac Efron as this kind of charming, hey, I'm a serial killer, but I can give you a cheeky wink and maybe we'll cop off somewhere nice. Ah, uh, just, yeah, it doesn't sit well with me, that. So two out of five, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Does what it says on the tin. I love you. Get out! The killings were extremely wicked. Shockingly evil, vile. Did you do these things, Ted? This is all gonna end. It's only gonna end with the truth. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe, follow, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filming to Me. Every Monday we release our Spotify playlist of Talk Filming to Me, uh, bangers from the pictures. If you've got any ideas for songs that you think should be in that playlist, get in contact on Twitter. Anyway, that's enough plugging done. John, my boy, how can people find you? You can find me on the Twitter sphere at Descamento. Fantastic. Next week, we are back in the studio. Ooh. And we're going to be joined by Hannah Flintz, a journalist who works at some pretty cool publications. We're going to be talking about films, playing games. It's going to be a great time. Till next time, stay filmy. Bye-bye. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and Talk filmy to me.